Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast. I'm your host, Jasper Lindsay, and join with me as always is Gavin Bowman. And Gavin, how are we feeling heading into the weekend? Phenomenal. Week four college football in the past, week three of the NFL in the past. We're getting almost halfway through the season in college football, and, you know, it's it's getting down to the nitty-gritty for some teams. It's make or break it time, and it starts Friday in Corvallis with Utah, Oregon State. So I know we'll hop into that game pretty soon here. Excited to discuss the slate ahead. Yeah, man, and I think at this point in the season, we have so many unanswered questions still. We're going to get some answers this weekend, especially in the SEC. we got a huge slate there. Jumping over the NFL, some huge divisional implications on the slate this week, and we got some new segments for you. And as always, we are doing picks. But as you said, got to start with college football. Huge weekend in the SEC. couple teams looking to get back on track with Notre Dame and Oregon State, both facing ranked opponents for the second straight week. And, of course, it's a huge prove-it weekend for a lot of teams. So as you mentioned, Utah traveling to Oregon State this Friday. We got to start our breakdown there. Huge prove-it game for both teams. Utah wants to solidify themselves as a contender in the Pac-12. And Oregon State wants to show that last week was just a minor setback for a squad with New Year's Six aspirations. Yeah, and I think both teams come out and play like the rest of their season depends on this game because it does for both teams, especially Oregon State considering their loss last week up there in Pullman. And I like the Beavers in this one. I really do. Uh, Utah has shown to me that they are the best run defense in all of college football. No one's taken that away from them. But they cannot stop the pass. They rank 100th in the country in yards per completion, a.k.a. whenever the opposing team throws the football and they complete it, they complete it for a lot of yards. Similarly, they rank about 85th in yards per pass attempt. So even when they're not completing it, uh, they're still they're still getting the ball down the field. And I love that for this Oregon State offense. We saw last week uh, in their loss to Washington State, their offense was still very effective. Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick got going. They rushed for over 220 yards. DJ took decent care of the football, and he was able to gash that Washington State secondary down the field thanks to the running game being open. And that's the biggest contingency in this game for me. Can Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick get going? Because they're going to need to. As much as I like DJ, he cannot win this game by himself. He needs that running game help. And without it, it's going to be tough uh, facing a Utah defense when you're one-dimensional on offense. On the flip side, Oregon State's defense got exposed last week because their pass rush is weak. Their secondary got exposed, but they shut down the run. Washington State only ran for 100 yards, and that's because Oregon State had to defend the pass the entire fucking game. I have concerns for how effective this Utah offense can be in the passing game, especially if Cam Rising doesn't play again. And even if he does come back, I'm not exactly thrilled about their weapons on the offensive side of the football. Nate Johnson's favorite target so far has been freshman wide receiver Mikey Matthews, and he's not wowing me. I expect this game to be semi-sloppy and a battle of defenses Vegas finally caught on because this over-under is set at 44 and a half. Hey, man, they tried to give you that free money. But as you said, you're absolutely right. This game is going to come down to who can run the football. Oregon State's only allowing 69.8 yards per game on the ground, and this Utah defense is average, is average, holding opponents to 50 yards a game. Insane. As you said, Cam Rising, if he's not playing, this team's in trouble. They're only averaging a 170 yards to the air in four contests. But for Utah, this game's going to be all about time of possession. They excel at it. They make teams play their game, and they try to hold the football. I don't think that's going to happen this week. Oregon State is a juggernaut on the ground. They need to break through this Utah pass rush, or this Utah rush, 
defense. For me, though, this game comes down to who can get it done through the air and convert on third downs. Both teams are currently not converting on third downs, man, under 50%. If Rising plays this game, this line could jump a little bit to a pick em, But for now, I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I'm riding with DJ Youngalele and the Oregon State Beavers to get back on track in this one. Yeah, I think we both have a pretty similar read on this game. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be a battle of each team's going to try and establish their ground game. I don't think either is going to be effective. And it's going to come down to the cornerbacks. And it's it's weird this is coming out of my mouth right now, but I'm going to have to trust DJ over Nate Johnson at this point in time. And even if Cam Rising plays, I do expect it to take a little bit of time for this Utah offense to readjust uh, to having their star back under center. Absolutely. Are we uh, kind of out on the it wasn't DJ's fault in Clemson? Talk? No, not necessarily, uh, because there's still a guy named Dabo Sweeney running that team that uh, sh- shouldn't be co- coaching college football. But DJ can't do it all himself. He's not he's not that five-star talent that, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence of the world was at Clemson. But he's got the effective running game to go along with his down-the-field passing, which is the system he needs right now. It's just going to be tough when this Utah defense takes away Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick. Yeah, you know we had to sneak a couple Davo shots in there for the people. Number one <laughs> in, in the nation. All right, <clears throat> here we go in the SEC, though. Down in Kentucky, we got ourselves a matchup. On one hand, we have the best defense in the SEC with Florida. And on the other, we have the number one scoring defense in the NCAA with the Wildcats. What are we feeling in this one, Gav? I'm feeling like this line movement is really confusing me. This opened up at Kentucky favored by three and a half. And it has since moved two full points in Florida's favor down to Kentucky favored by one and a half. And, and I'm I'm genuinely confused. Kentucky's at home and the brand of football they play is really bad for how Florida wants to win this game. Florida, this is going to be the most physical SEC game potentially all season long. Uh, you got a Florida team that lives on the ground. They're not winning with Grammers throwing the football. And they live, uh, or they win the game on the ground, and they win the game with their defense. That's pretty much what Kentucky does, except a little bit better than Florida. This is a very underrated Kentucky team. Nobody in the country is better than this Kentucky team at yards per, at opponent yards per play, aside from UCLA. Kentucky gives up three point nine yards per play. That's better than Penn State. That's better than Ohio State. That's better than Michigan. It's better than Iowa. They're number two in the country in that regard. Just on the ground, they're just as phenomenal. They're number seven in the country behind Utah, Nebraska, UCLA, Tulane, Miami, and James Madison, but I'm not counting them. (laughs) So I expect this Kentucky defense to take away the Florida running game for the most part, force Graham Mertz to throw the football. And on the flip side, Kentucky's offense is incredibly efficient. Uh, In terms of yards per point, one of my favorite metrics, they're number one in the country at yards per point. They average 9.5 yards per point, which means they move the ball a little bit and score a lot of points. The defense forces turnovers. The offense moves the ball down the field. They're efficient all over the field. I'm genuinely confused as to why this line keeps moving towards Florida. Well, I got a couple of reasons for why this line's probably moving towards Florida. And number one is, what do you think Grammar's completion percentage is on the year? It's probably pretty good. I can't lie, but I, I, I refuse to believe he's a good quarterback. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 60. It's 77%. That's absurd. That is absolutely absurd. 
Um, I mean, this is going to be a weird one, man. Devin Leary hasn't skipped a beat coming off the ACL. I was really high on Kentucky entering the year. But I think why this line is moving so much is this Florida pass defense. I think they they excel. We talk all about like how they excel at stopping the run. But they're great at stopping the pass. They're holding opponents just 162 yards per game through the air. I really, like As you said, this Kentucky offense is efficient. We all know this Gator defense team is going to try and run the ball against Kentucky. I, I just I don't really know which offense has the edge. Right now, I lean Kentucky just because I think this matchup bodes well for them against Florida. But it's a proven game for both squads, man. I really, I mean, I loved Kentucky to start the year. I still love them. But this line is weird. I don't know what Vegas is thinking with this one. Yeah, it's really confusing me. The one area that I was really concerned for for Kentucky coming into the season uh, was their offensive line. They've been good. They're only giving up a sack a game. That's four total on the year. Florida's offensive line is not exactly anything to write home about. They're they're giving up, what is it? Uh, they are giving up three sacks a game. I expect this Kentucky defense to get home more often than not on Graham Mertz after they take away the run. I, 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 I'm getting scared because everyone's betting the Gators right now, but Ray Davis in this offense, Devin, Devin Leary in the downfield passing attack, they're so balanced everywhere. They're so incredibly efficient. They're at home. I'm loving the Wildcats, man. This line movement scared me off a little bit, but I do think Kentucky wins this game in a physical, grueling matchup simply because they have the ability to move the ball down the field better than Florida does. Yeah, dude. People forget I ran track against Ray Davis in middle school. I got dusted. <laughs> that kid can that kid can run that thing, man. Um, yeah, I think this game's gonna come down to which quarterback makes a mistake. And I love a pick six out of Graham Mertz in this one against the top scoring defense in the nation. Yeah, I'm just taking the efficiency and the downfield passing attack of the cats. And uh is it time to start putting some respect on Jasper's wheels? Hashtag respect Jasper's wheels. Yeah, man. no, no, not at all. I got dusted. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, a Mark Stoops defense is a Mark Stoops defense, man. He's going to kill it out there. I really like Kentucky in this matchup. Jumping over to a matchup where you said we might disagree, but I'm starting to lean towards you, and that's Kansas taking the trip to Austin to face this Longhorn team. And at first glance, you know, this game looks like a shootout. The Kansas offense has been incredible, averaging 245 yards to the air and 217 on the ground. And the key stat for me, Gavin, this one with Kansas, 60% conversion percentage on third downs. This team gets it done under pressure. They are going to need to make this one a shootout if they want any chance winning this game. You just rattled off the offensive stats for Kansas. That's where they excel. It's Jaden Daniels and it's Devin Neal getting it done through the air and on the ground. Beyond that, they struggle on defense. They are 91st in the country in opponent yards per point. Uh, The opponents get down the field and they get down the field quick on this Kansas defense. But they're averaging, like, I think close to 35, 40 points a game. So that's the key to this game for this Kansas team. Turn it into a shootout quick. Force Quinn Ewers to throw the ball the entire game. Don't let C.J. Baxter get going at all. This Texas team is just way too, way too loaded, in my opinion, for Kansas to have any shot in this game on both sides of the football. We saw in the Bama game how Texas came out and dominated the line of scrimmage. I expect something similar to that to continue with the Big 12 play, especially against teams such as Kansas that don't exactly excel uh, with the big boys up front. Yeah. Texas is too well-rounded. They play – their offense is far too efficient. Their defense is far too physical. 
I don't think they let Kansas get anywhere close in this game, especially at home down there in Austin. I'm pretty much right there with you. Kansas is currently 11th in the country in time of possession. They're not if like they're if they want to turn this game to a shootout, they're going to have to get the ball out quick. Texas is going to be on the field more often than not. This defense has to hold up. And they're holding like Texas's defense has been equally as impressive this year. They're holding opponents at under 100 yards on the ground. Kansas relies heavily on that ground game. We all know what Jaden Dan- or Jalen Daniels can do, but I mean, the big stat for me here with Texas too. Teams are only converting on a 50% clip on them in the red zone. That is huge for a team that is all about time of possession. You know, Kansas wants to hold the ball in the red zone, take time. That's not going to be a luxury they have in this one. In order for Kansas to make it close, Jalen Daniels is going to have to show the fuck out. And I had high hopes for this kid into the year, but this is definitely a prove-it game for him. (laughs) I I actually kind of like Texas to cover that 17.5 spread. I was actually about to ask if you think uh, Kansas can cover. It's at 16 and a half right now, unless it's moved since uh, since I last saw it. I mean, I think Kansas can cover if they turn to a shootout, but I'm not going to put my money on it. <laughs> not putting the money. I mean, yeah, yeah I guess your, your your mouth is on Texas, so you're not really not putting your money where your mouth is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm starting to really believe this Texas team is the best team in the country right now. I haven't been wowed by Georgia. I haven't been wowed by any Big Ten team. Texas is coming out week in, week out, and taking care of business, man. So until they tell me otherwise, I am riding with the Longhorns. Yeah, man. Hook them. Come on now. All Hook right. Em. Jumping over to another prove-it game in the SEC, and we got LSU traveling to the SIP. Huge game for both teams as Ole Miss is trying to claw their way back into the SEC West. And then, of course, is LSU legit? I'm very excited for this one. Uh, Vegas doesn't seem to think there's going to be a lick of defense played in this one. Can't really say I blame them, considering both defenses are just getting gassed through the air uh, the past couple of weeks. For me, this game comes down to two things. I'm going to forego the defense side right now because I don't think either one's going to show up. This game is going to be a shootout. Can Quinshawn Judkins finally get going for Ole Miss? That is the key to the game for the Rebels, in my opinion. And on the flip side, this is Jaden Daniels' first test as a passer since the FSU game. Sure, he had that Mississippi State game where we thought he might run into some trouble. And then last week against Arkansas, the game was close, but the Arkansas secondary isn't exactly something to write home about. People are forgetting that during the FSU game, Jaden Daniels looked like he didn't belong anywhere near a football field uh, as a passer. Did he throw for 350? Sure. Did 150 of that come because they were down 45 to 20? Yes. He made a ton of horrible reads in that game, made a lot of bad passes that quite simply, uh, if he didn't throw some of those, he had a pick down the field as horrible. Game could have been a lot closer. People are forgetting that Jaden Daniels is not a good passer of the football. And this game comes down to, for LSU, whether or not he can take good care of the football, make the right reads, and move this offense down the field. Absolutely. I mean, you hit the note, the nail on the head there with uh, the running game. Obviously, we both know we know both quarterbacks can tuck it and run. But which running back is going to get going in this one? You got Diggs at LSU, who's been good, but I mean, nothing impressive. And they they don't they seem to not really like to give him the ball. And of course, Keyshawn Judkins, you need to show up in this game. Both these defenses, good, not great. I want to lean Ole Miss just because I know that this Lane Kiffin squad still hasn't played their best football game on the year. But Keyshawn Judkins is the key to this game. He needs to get going. He needs to gash this LSU defense. I, I Who are you leaning in this one? I really don't know. 
it's so weird. And the line is so sketchy too, two and a half. Uh, I lean points, but that's not exactly a lean. So I got to stop being a bitch and man up and take a side. I'm going to go LSU. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to really get concerned that Quinshawn Judkins was just a fluke last year because I'm, I'm confused as to why he simply can't run the football right now. It is in Oxford, which Ole Miss has that going for them. But this defense has been short of everything I expected them to be this year. I expect LSU to continue improving as they've done every week since that Mississippi State game. Aside from last week at Arkansas, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, but give me the Tigers in a very close one. But if I was a betting man, which I am, I would not touch this game with a 10-foot pole. Me neither. Maybe uh, the over, actually probably the under. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap up with Notre Dame taking on yet another ranked opponent of the Duke, Blue Devils, and boy, Gavin, do the Irish need this one. Coming off last week's loss, they got another tough battle on the road against this Duke squad that looks like they have their eyes set on the ACC championship game as of now. No one's talking about this game, and I'm really confused why. I think people are writing off the Blue Devils way too early. Has Notre Dame looked good? Yeah, of course they have. Last week, probably should have won that game. Uh, each matchup until that point, defense looked phenomenal. This Duke team is very fucking good. Mike Elko has these boys playing inspired football. And guess what? Aside from Marshall, who I'm not counting as a power five school, obviously, Duke is the best pass defense in the country. It's not close. They average 4.4 yards per pass attempt. That's what they're giving up. The next closest is Iowa at 4.8. The next closest is Georgia at five flat. This Duke pass defense is efficient. They stop quarterbacks from doing what they want to do. It's going to be a long day for Sam Hartman down there in Durham this weekend. However, what Duke struggles to do is stop the run. It is going to be a long day for Audric Estime for a different reason. He's going to get tired for running so goddamn much. We saw in week one, Did Duke win that game by 21 points against Clemson? Yes. Did they have two stops on the one-yard line where Clemson fumbled? Yes. If Clemson punches both those in, very, very, very different ballgame. Will Shipley and Phil Moffa ran all over this Duke defense week one. People forget that. People just look at the final score and say, oh, Duke dominated. Not really. The offense was efficient. They didn't turn it over, and they got a couple of timely turnovers. Other than that, This defense is super susceptible to the run, and that will be Notre Dame's strategy in this game. They will feed Audric Estime, they will keep it on the ground, and they will win at the line of scrimmage. Notre Dame's offensive line is one of the best in the country. That is the key to this game for them. On the flip side, what are the keys for Duke? I just said it. Hold on to the football. Do not turn it over. Duke has the second most efficient running game in the country. It's going to be tough running on this stout Notre Dame defensive line. It's going to come down to Riley Leonard. Can he make some big plays in the passing game? Can he hold on to the football? Can he be a threat with the legs? Offer up something that the Notre Dame defense didn't see last week with Kyle McCord. I'm very intrigued by this game. I think it's a low-scoring, physical, defensive matchup. I do expect the Irish to win, but Duke is going to make it very close. I love that you brought up that Clemson game because that's what I have in my notes right here. I mean, obviously, they gashed this Duke team on the ground. Notre Dame averages close to 200 yards a game, which is a huge lift for the Irish. 
Regardless, though, I mean, the Blue Devils are at home. That's a huge lift for them. I'm leaning towards this game to look a lot like that week one matchup. But Notre Dame can actually throw the football. That's my big thing in this one. Regardless, it's going to be close. I think one team pulls away late. Yeah, I'm still leading Notre Dame, but, I mean, they need this one bad, man. They need this one bad. I mean, the only other team they really got to challenge them on the schedule is USC. A one-loss Notre Dame team, I don't know if they make the college football playoff. Depending on how Ohio State plays the rest of the year, if Ohio State takes a loss, they're definitely out. But if Ohio State is a top-three team in the country, I think Notre Dame still has a shot, just just by the way they played that game last week. We'll see how it goes. Sure, they've got a shot. The other thing to consider in this game, I like Duke to be the far more motivated football team. I mean, everyone's writing them off in this game. No one expects them to win. Everyone's talking about the Irish bouncing back after last week. If Duke wins this game, oh, man, they are on the map. Immediately a top 15 team in the country. Now Florida State shaking in their boots. Oh, shit. We got some competition in this conference after all. Look for Duke to come out inspired and maybe jump out to a quick lead force Notre Dame to play from behind and throw the football a lot more, which bodes well for this Duke defense. Yeah, I think Duke's currently the number 14 team in the country. No. 17. 17? They could jump into the top 10 with this one if they get a win. Oh, very, very easily. And again, I love these Blue Devils. I liked them in our ACC preview. Mike Elko is going to be coaching at a, at a top-tier school very, very, very soon. Don't write off these Blue Devils, man. They're a basketball school, but, man, they're playing some inspired football. Mike Elko back to Texas A&M? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to get you're gonna have to pull Jimbo out of there. Texas A&M might be saved by the fact that uh, Wegman's done for the season. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Yep. And uh, speaking of SEC matchups, we got our new segment, Gavin. I'm going to let you kick us off here first. New segment slash more just of a discussion, but – this is the first week where every SEC team is in a conference matchup. We touched on two of those already. I'm talking about Florida, Kentucky, and LSU Ole Miss. There are some other pretty exciting games on the slate. Jasper, which SEC matchup are you most excited to watch and why? I'm going to keep it with the Texas A&M talk. They're at Arkansas. Wegman out for the year. As you mentioned, this offense looked great under Max Johnson. This is a great statement game for the Aggies to take care of business as they head into or as they uh, take welcome Bama to Aggieland next week. Love that, especially after what we saw KJ Jefferson do to this LSU defense last week. I expect that game to be high scoring. I expect it to be fast paced uh, and very exciting to watch. I am going to send it down to Knoxville and Neyland Stadium. I'm targeting South Carolina and Tennessee. I think South Carolina is not getting the respect they deserve right now. They're 12 and a half point underdogs in this game. Spencer Rattler's been playing some great football, man. Some phenomenal football. Does South Carolina have a running game? No. Are they going to gash this Tennessee secondary? Absolutely. Is Joe Milton him? No, he fucking blows. I expect this game to be very close. The volunteers, while they may be at home, they're on upset watching this game. Look for Spencer Rattler to come out firing. People forget he threw for six touchdowns on the Tennessee defense last season. They put up 63 points at the end of the season, embarrassed this Tennessee team. I kind of like South Carolina in this one. Keep an eye out for the Gamecocks down there in Knoxville this weekend. Uh, That's the other game I had on my slate. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I think Joe Milton just ran to a really good Florida team in prime time, but... Yeah, this game's going to be close. As you said, Spencer Rattler is not getting the respect he deserves. 
12 and a half is a lot of points for Tennessee to cover, man. I don't know if they're going to do it. The last game I have my eyes set on, and this is kind of a throwaway game, but regardless, Missouri at Vanderbilt. Can the Tigers start out 5-0 and and make some noise in the SEC? That's the big storyline for this one. Can they get a win by multiple scores is another big one. Let's see how they play. I like it. Missouri looks good. 5-0 would be uh, good for the SEC, considering it's soft in every other aspect this year. Absolutely. Anything else you got on the SEC slate? Those were the two. I mean, other than, you know, Kentucky, Florida, and then LSU Ole Miss, those games would be fun to watch, obviously. I think Georgia steamrolls Auburn. Auburn doesn't have a quarterback. And uh, I don't think Bama has any problems with Mississippi State. So, yeah, very excited for that Tennessee game. Obviously, the two we mentioned during our previews, SEC matchups this weekend galore should be a good one. Yeah, man. Poor Auburn. We really we had some higher hopes for them this year, but uh, it's not going well down there. I mean, they're good other than the quarterback room. If if Peyton Thorne could just figure it out and not be the most inaccurate quarterback in college football, uh, they might be halfway decent. You see uh, Hugh Freeze's quote this week where he was like, I don't think uh, Kirby Smart actually took Georgia to the national championship in his second year. I'll stop it. <laughs> I'll stop it. His quote, I'm not sure that's accurate. Come on, Hugh. Yeah, well, I'm not sure Peyton Thorne's an accurate, accurate quarterback either, so figure it out in the QB room, Hugh. Bang, there we go. All right. First time in We Know Ball history, we got back-to-back segments, so let me take you through this one. It is pretenders versus contenders. And I'm going to give you five teams in the Power Five that I think are 4-0 and could be fraudulent, and then one surprise team at the end here. So start with the SEC, and we're going to go with our Kentucky Wildcats 4-0. Gav, pretender or contender? Contender in the contender for the second place spot in the SEC East. Uh, as I said during the preview, they're incredibly efficient on both sides of the football. This is their first true test of the season. I am very excited to see what they're made of. But as long as Devin Leary can keep attacking downfield and letting Ray Davis go to work, I expect this defense to be good all season long. Wildcats contenders. I love it. Right there with you. All right. Jumping over to the Big 12. And these are your boys, the Oklahoma Sooners at 4-0. Woo! Contenders. And here's why. Uh, they're led by Dylan Gabriel, senior quarterback, playing some inspired football. The offense is efficient, and guess what? The defense that was a problem last year has shaped the fuck up. They're coming out. They're playing smash mouth. People are having trouble moving it down the field on them. My only problem is they haven't played anybody yet. Uh, I am excited to see that uh, Red River rivalry against Texas coming up here pretty soon. They're a contender for now, but I want to see this defense be tested. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I think... Obviously, they beat up on Tulsa with that 50-point effort, but I need to see more out of Dylan Gabriel. What are you doing only beating the Wildcats or the, uh, yeah, the Cincinnati Bearcats, my my apologies, by 14 points? <laughs> I, I'm i not going to read too much into that. I mean, everyone's due for a, a game here or there where they don't exactly blow a team out. They should be blown out, but I'm going back to this defense, man. They're 15th in the country in yards per play. That's an improvement upon last season where they were damn near dead last in the Big 12. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Brent Venable's defensive squad. Uh, This offense will figure it out. They're explosive. Uh, I love the Sooners, but I do want to see them be tested. Definitely. We'll see what they can get done. All right, jumping over the Big 10, and here we go, Gav. The Maryland Terrapins sitting at 4-0 with Tuwalia Tagovailoa having a great year. Pretenders. Uh, (laughs) I think the Big 10 is the top three and then everybody else. 
Maryland can obviously get to a bowl game. They only need two more wins to do that. Uh, and Tali is a decent QB, but there's there's simply a talent gap there between Maryland and the rest of the, and the rest of the big names in that conference. I don't think they pull off an upset this year, but it is good to see some uh, some Big Ten teams getting off to a hot start this year. Hundred percent. All right, wrapping up our Power Five with oh, I don't even have a Pac-12 team on here. Oh well, wrapping up our Power Four with the ACC and Syracuse sitting at four and zero on the year. Another basketball school. Oh, can I like go in the middle here? No, I can't do that. Uh, Give me them as a contender to win this weekend. I love them at plus six and a half, uh, taking on Clemson at home. Obviously, Clemson coming off of a devastating loss. Uh, like, Like you said, another basketball school that's flying under the radar. It is always tough to go into Syracuse and win a football game. We'll see what they made of this weekend, but I like what I've seen from the Qs so far this season. Nice shot, Orange. Same man. All right, jumping over from the orange to the big red in the Ivy League, and that is Cornell sitting at one and zero contender or pretender, Gavin. I haven't even scouted Cornell, man. But uh, for for just for fuck's sake, give, give me them as a contender in the Ivy League, man. The big red. No, I don't know. I haven't scouted any Cornell, but uh, maybe I should, man. Should we should we start watching some Ivy League football this weekend? Hell no! I threw that one in there as just a throwaway, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> We should yeah. start betting the Ivy League, though. That would be a fun little uh, wrinkle to our podcast. Um, all right. Speaking of, yeah. speaking of betting, though, we got to jump into our picks for the weekend. And, Gav, I know you have some good ones for this slate. What's your first pick here? I know I said I was getting scared, but the value is way too good for me to pass up. Kentucky Moneyline. Um, in, in the spirit of being completely transparent with the public back home, this line opened at three and a half. I saw it at two and a half on Tuesday night, and I got very excited. I expected this line to move back over three, kind of similar to the line movement in that Oregon State game, which opened at three and a half, went down to two and a half, and is now back three and a half. I expected the same thing with the Kentucky game. So I actually have Kentucky minus two and a half. That's the play I have, unfortunately, already locked in. That's not the play I'm giving because at home, for the people listening right now, you can get Kentucky money line at minus 120. I saw it as low as minus 108 yesterday. Snag it now because there is always a chance this line moves back closer to three as betters start to realize, oh, wait, this team could be for real. Uh, but Kentucky money line's my play. I love them at home against the Gators uh, for reasons already said during the preview. I'm staring at Kentucky money line right now on my computer as well. If this game continues to drop to a pick them, grab them at minus 110. But for now, I'm right there with you in Kentucky minus 120. The other game I love this weekend is Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, plus 11 at Minnesota. Minnesota is not great this year. The Cajuns are 3-1. and one. I kind of like Louisiana to cover, maybe even win this game. But we're going to stick with plus 11. Can't say I've done much scouting on the Raging Cajuns either, but I am always a fan of fading the Gophers. So, let's go Cajuns. How about that? For my second pick, uh, I'm hopping down to Durham. I'm staying away from the spread because I do like what you said about one team pulling away at the end. And if that team happens to be Notre Dame, that five and a half where it's currently at right now is probably going to get torched. I snagged similar to the Kentucky two and a half. I snagged this line earlier in the week 
at 52 and a half. It's currently sitting at 52. I'm talking about the total here, and I have the under. I do believe this game is going to be physical. As I said, Notre Dame is going to run the football. Uh, Duke wants to run the football. It's going to be tough to do against this Notre Dame defensive front. I expect this game to look very similar to the Clemson game that Duke partook in at the start of the season, where it was physical, not very pretty to watch. And Duke scored off of turnovers. So that was the only reason. That was the only reason they got to 28 points. 52 is a little bit too high for me. I expect this game to finish somewhere in the ballpark of 42 to 45 points. Under 52 and a half. Notre Dame Duke. That is my play of the week. Love it. I love it. All right. <clears throat> my play of the week. And I'm going to ride them until I can anymore. And that is Washington minus 18 by that half point. They are 4-0 versus the spread. Arizona is not good. Jaden Delore does not take care of the football. I love this game to mirror what they did last week to Cal. I mean, this Washington team is just unreal. Keep it going, boys. Yeah, I remember a couple weeks ago when uh, I said that Michigan State might cover that 17.5-point spread, and you told me there was no way. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, I'm kind of wicked there on this Washington team just covering spreads until until they don't. They They look like... I, I might put them at the second best team in the country I've seen so far behind Texas this year. They look incredible. Uh, my third and final pick, I clearly did not learn my lesson last week. I'm going back to the Oregon State well. I mentioned that this line opened at three and a half, went down to two and a half, and back up to three and a half. I snagged it at two and a half. That's my pick. Three and a half scares the fuck out of me because this could very well be a field goal game. Oregon State, minus two and a half. Utah going on the road is always a bad thing for this Utes team, and they match up very poorly, as we mentioned during our preview, with this Beavers team. Take me to the promised land, DJ. And if Oregon State does not cover this two and a half, they go on the no-bet list. That is 100% true. I love it. Throw them up there with Baylor. All right. That wraps up college football. Exciting weekend. We'll have more breakdowns for you on Monday, but we got to head over to the NFL because it is a huge week in the NFL. We got a ton of great matchups in the AFC, including the Dolphins' first real test against Buffalo. Then we got the Cowboys taking on New England in what should be a defensive slugfest. And of course, the long-awaited battle between the Lions and Packers for the first place spot in the NFC North. And we're going to stick with that game for our first breakdown of the week because starting tonight, Oh boy, this game's gonna be fun, Gab. On the one hand, you got the talented but unproven Packers, and on the other, you got the Lions who are hungry to prove themselves as a contender. Jasper, this is my favorite game on the slate this weekend, and that's considering even that my Seahawks are playing in primetime on Monday night. I love Green Bay at home here, man. As you mentioned, this is a Green Bay team that's looking to prove it. When's the last time the Lions came into Lambeau and Green Bay with the team was something to prove? That right there is a storyline in and of itself that I fucking love. And Green Bay's health this week. They get Aaron Jones back. They get Christian Watson back. I think we're still waiting to hear on Jair Alexander. Uh, but Thursday night doesn't get much better than this. Key to the game for this Green Bay team, expose the Lions' weakness. And that is their secondary. Of course, Green Bay is going to want to establish the run with their incredible offensive line and Aaron Jones back there. But this game is going to come down to Jordan Love, man. He needs to make some plays in the passing game, find Jaden Reed, find Romeo Dobbs, and this Green Bay defense just needs to slow down the explosiveness that is the offense. I like it. I mean, 
I'll tell you the last time the Packers came into a game with the uh, Lambeau with the Lions and they had something to prove. And that was last season when the Lions upset the Packers at home to end their playoff hunt. This game is going to be physical. It's going to be chippy. Can the Packers get their revenge? I don't know. We'll see. I really don't lean one way or the other in this game. I mean, at Lions minus one and a half, I'm not touching it. But I kind of like the offense to get going against this Packers team. As I said, talented but unproven. I got to see the Packers finish in this one. That's my key to their victory. Yeah, they get off to a slow start like they, like they did last week against New Orleans, and it's not going to turn out well for them. This team playing from behind is not somewhere they want to be all season long, especially, as we mentioned, against a high-powered offense over there in Detroit. Absolutely. All right, jumping to the other marquee match of the week, and that is the Dolphins at the Bills. And here we go, Gavin. Which team is the real deal? The Bills look great the past couple weeks. Granted, it's been against the Raiders and the Commanders. And obviously, we all know what this Dolphins offense can do. Can they hold up defensively? I think you know who I'm riding with. Give me Miami in this game. Those are my boys. They're just too talented, man. Too talented on offense. Too talented in the front seven on defense. I expect Josh Allen to make some mistakes that ultimately cost the Bills this football game. Piece of the game for both teams. Miami, continue to be explosive. Force the Bills to keep up with you, not the other way around. Buffalo, hold on to the football. If Josh Allen throws a couple of picks, this game's over, and it's over quick. Absolutely. I mean, Josh Allen has to protect the football. My real question with this one is, how did this game not get flexed to Sunday night? Seriously, man, you got the fucking Chiefs and the Jets on Sunday night. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I it, it's not even not even an afternoon slate. It's it's the noon slate. Talking about Central Time here, my eyes are going to be glued to that screen. That's for sure. But I'm riding or dying with my Dolphins this year until Tua freaking gets hit in the head again and has to sit out for the rest of his career. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't happen. But I'm riding or dying with these with these Dolphins, man. I like it. As you said, Josh Allen, if you can't protect the football, this game won't be close. You know the Dolphins are going to capitalize on turnovers. David Howard looks great. Um, yeah, I'm leaning Dolphins right there with you. I don't really think this game – this game has the potential to get ugly if Josh Allen cannot protect the football. Yep. Yep. Jumping over to two teams that are going to protect the football, and that is the Patriots, the Cowboys, or they're going to at least try to. Pats taking on the Cowboys in Dallas. Defensive slugfest. Can Belichick get this team back to 500? What do you need to see out of the Cowboys and Dak in this one? I need to see two things out of the Cowboys. One, I need to see them stop the fucking run. I mean, what was that last week, man? Giving up 200 on the ground to James Conner and company? I mean, that's downright ridiculous. So that's thing number one I need to see from this Cowboys team. Thing number two I need to see from the Cowboys it's Dak. I need to see Dak finish in the red zone. Uh, he had two chances to get back into the game last week. They did not convert on fourth and three from one of those chances. And the other chance, they got down to the red zone and settled for a field goal to cut the game to five points. And Arizona came back and scored a touchdown. Finish in the red zone, stop the run, hold on to the football, and the Cowboys will win this game. Uh, it's going to be a defensive slugfest, as you said, though. And then on the New England side of things, I think the blueprint for how to win this game got exposed last week. You feed Ramondre, you get Zeke involved a little bit, and you gash this Cowboys team on the ground. Yep, Zeke finally got going last week. That's a huge lift for the Patriots. They are on the road, though, and that is a big problem for them. I think this defense plays a lot better at Lambeau. Christian Gonzalez needs to pick off Dak Prescott in this one, and 
How bad did this Cowboys defense miss Trayvon Diggs, man? Yeah, I mean, he she wasn't going to help in the run game, but it sure it, it it doesn't doesn't help missing your your you know one year leaders so to speak. Um, obviously you got Micah and Layton and in, in the middle right there leading the team, but yeah, it, it's going to hurt coming down the stretch here. Well, we're not even we're not even close coming down the stretch, but it's going to hurt for the rest of the season. Obviously, losing your uh, your CB one, so looking for this defense to turn it around this week. If the Patriots want to win, Mac Jones has to throw the football a little bit too. That's going to be a big one. Yeah, but it starts on the ground for sure. Get Ramondre going and get this Cowboys defense on their heels early. 100%. All right, heading over to Monday night's primetime matchup. And, I mean, Gab, how are the Giants favored in this one? What is going on with this Seahawks team? Similar to the the Kentucky line, I'm so baffled on how the Seahawks are not favored in this game. I mean, has our defense looked good? No, obviously not. We gave up 27 to Carolina last week, led by Andy Dalton. But – our offense looks ridiculous. The Giants' defense is last in the league in just about every single metric, and their offense has no Saquon Barkley. So I'm confused as to why the Giants are favored in this game. To me, this comes down to if Geno and company can keep the ball rolling, this won't be close. We're going to win this game easily, and we're going to stomp New York. As you guys should, man. I mean, I don't think Danny Dimes is the quarterback to expose this defense, granted. I think this is going to be a statement game for the Seahawks to say, hey, we're still here in the NFC West. We are going to be a problem this year. And the nation will be watching when the Seahawks blow out the Giants in New York. It, it, this this just weeks of last season to me, man. I mean, everyone's writing this team off. Geno comes out and plays some inspired football. And you know, we, we win this game. We get to three and one. And that's after losing to the Rams at home week one. Everyone wrote the team off after that. Seattle should be favored. They're not. I'm confused. I don't expect Danny Dimes, as you said, to expose our secondary. Uh, well, more importantly, not more importantly, but more accurately to expose our pass rush because that's where the real problem lies. Give me Seattle in this game. I'm, I'm confused as to why we're underdogs. Yeah, me too. All right. Jumping into our new segment that's also not really a segment, and that is North versus South. As we mentioned in the preview, the AFC North and the AFC South have some huge matchups this weekend. One of these divisions is going to get shook. Which division do you think is going to see the bigger shakeup this weekend? And what surprise do you expect, Gav? Yeah, uh, there's, first of all, there's two matchups in which an AFC North faces an AFC South opponent. I'm talking about Bengals, Titans, and Steelers, Texans. But beyond that, every other team uh, is playing for something here. The Falcons and the Jags are taking each other on in London. Uh, Ravens, Browns in a battle of the top two teams in that division right now. And then the Colts, they get the Rams at home in a matchup that's a one-point spread right now. I expect the AFC South to get more shaken up, and here's why. I'm kind of leaning Atlanta in that London matchup. I like them a lot, especially against the Jags team that's been less than inspiring this year. And more importantly than that, I expect the Colts to improve to 3-1 and one on the season, taking on Los Angeles in Indianapolis this week. You get Anthony Richardson back. You get that uh, dual threat at the QB position. AR has looked great in his first two weeks out there. And even if he can't go, Gardner Minshew is a great backup option to take care of the football. Uh, Houston, don't write them off either. They could very well get to win this weekend against Pittsburgh. Uh, I do have concerns about Houston's rushing attack and taking on that Pittsburgh defense. But the most important thing for me this weekend is I expect Indianapolis to get to 3-1 and establish themselves as the team to chase in this AFC South. 
I like it a lot. I think I have the same read on you with that Atlanta uh, Jacksonville game. The Jags are just four and five in London and probably their future home after the way this season's going. How bad of a look is it if this Jags team starts one and three, man? Really bad, but they started somewhere last season and turned it around. They will turn it around eventually. I just don't see it being this week, man. They take on a Falcons defense that's quality um, and, a, a, you know, a QB wide receiver, not wide receiver, QB running back combo that's hard to stop. Absolutely. I think the game that has most of my attention this week, or the two games or at least, is Browns at Ravens and Bengals at Titans. The Bengals finally got their win on Monday night. Can they continue to keep it going with a win in, in Tennessee? And of course, the Ravens need to get right game bad, and they need it against this Browns team. These offenses are similar. They rely on the run. Defensively, both teams have been good. I think the Ravens have the edge in this one, and I think the Bengals have the edge against the Titans. But as we've seen this season, you just never know. Well, on paper, the Bengals have the edge, sure. But I might lean Tennessee for two reasons. One, they're one and two. They need a win to get to two and two and keep pace in the NFC South. And two, there are very few betting strategies more profitable than Mike Vrabel as a home underdog. And that's what he is this week against Cincinnati, against the Cincinnati offense that's looked anything but stellar to this point in the season. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned betting strategies, and we got to get into picks. But before we do, we're currently sitting at 9-9 and on the season. You are 7-2 and in the NFL, and I am the exact opposite at 2-7. and I need some wins bad here, Gav, so I'm going to kick it off here. And my first winner of the week is going to be the over in that Raiders-Chargers game. I've watched these two teams play a million times. I know how these games go. Even if Jimmy's out, the Raiders going to put up points, and the Chargers might single-handedly cover this spread just the way the base, based off the way our defense is playing. We fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. This game is going to be all about points. There's not going to be any defense played. Give me the over. You looking at the 48-and-a-half uh, number? Yep. Yep. I like the 48 this morning, actually. Okay, 48. Lock that in. My first play, I'm staying in the ballpark of totals. Uh, my play of the week, shout out to a friend of mine who actually gave me this play. So I'm, I'm tailing here. Uh, but after doing some of my own research, I do like it a lot. Cowboys, Pats, under 43. Uh, it's a flat 43. There's no hook there right now. Um, but it's, it's going to be physical. It's going to be defensive. And both offenses that looked iffy last week, even if this Cowboys offense gets semi-rolling, this is a Patriots defense that held the Dolphins to 24 points at home. I expect this game to soar under Cowboys pass under 43. I like it a lot. I'm jumping over to the NFC South for this matchup between the Bucks and New Orleans. And give me Bucks money line. I mean, I just think this team is good enough on offense to win this game. I'm not going to put my money on Jameis Winston ever. I don't think this is a revenge game for him. No Derek Carr. Give me the Bucks to win this game outright. I like that underdog play um, on the road divisional matchup. I am going to stay in the money line ballpark. And I mentioned it, Colts money line. Um, they're currently plus one at home against the LA Rams. I think the LA Rams are getting too much hype for how talented this team actually is uh, because they lack talent and this Colts team is great at home and they take care of the football, man. I expect that to continue. You can get some great value at minus one Oh five on the money line right now. Colts money line, lock it in. Love it. My last play of the week is the commanders plus eight versus the Eagles. 
The Commanders ran into some trouble last week against the Bills. The Eagles are not the Bills. The Commanders' offense is good. Sam Howell is a good quarterback. He just needs some time. If they can get him some time, granted this Eagles defensive line is good. I still think the Commanders have the opportunity to put points in this one. I like the Eagles to win by three to five. Even if they win by a touchdown, you win that bet. Uh, And you know I love fading Philly this year. I think they get exposed in more games uh, than not. For my third and final play, this line moved to two and a half since I took it at three. Uh, But you know I'm a big fan of taking shit early in the week if you think the line's going to move. Plus three, ride or dying, give me Miami. Uh, I'm simply going to bet them until the wheels fall off. They look phenomenal. They look explosive on both sides of the football. And... Bonus pick that's not going to count towards my record because I already gave the three picks, but I am riding with the pack tonight. I have them at plus one and a half. All right. My bonus pick of the week is Mississippi State plus 14 and a half. <laughs> at home against Bama. I don't, I don't hate it, man. I don't know if Bama's beating anybody by two scores. Yep, exactly. All right. That wraps up our show. We will have some super huge breakdowns for you coming Monday. And as always, this is We Know Ball. <laughs>